Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? Well, week four, my uh, my Festivus player of the week is one C.D. Lamb. <laughs> the Cowboys scored 36 points. 36 points. And Lamb posted a measly 2.3 half PPR points. Um, yeah, Dak only threw the ball 22 times, um, you know, which is not great for uh, wide receivers, fantasy value. But, I mean, Lamb was behind Cooper and Dalton Schultz in targets. Brutal. Rough day for CeeDee Lamb. Uh, people that rostered CeeDee Lamb, people that have CeeDee Lamb. And uh, so he is my he is my Festivus player of the week. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles, and with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing all right. I mean, after what I think it was a pretty wild, like, a week four, to be quite honest with you. And I'm actually kind of surprised, like, we're already in week four, even though we still got, what, like, three months to go or whatever. So four fast. Months? I know, yeah, but it feels like it's going by fast, but other than that, I'm doing okay. How y'all doing? Um, I'm doing all right. I, uh, like you said, you know, it, it's weird. Kind of going by fast, kind of not. Uh, kind of excited that we're, we're heading into week five. It feels like we're, we're making headway here. Um, for those of us, you know, grinding week after week as far as right. content goes. Uh, but, yeah, I am, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited to uh, get into uh, what happened this week, what we're looking forward to next week. Uh, Chris, what do we have for our, our uh, surprises of, uh, from last week? So one of the surprises, and I didn't even really notice this until afterwards, because I don't know, did, did y'all watch the Tennessee Jets game, like even though like it wound up going into overtime? Was that something that you guys watched live or anything like that? Just overtime. I, I didn't catch it until our, our uh, station switched over to it, so I just okay. saw the overtime. Yeah, so both those teams, like they're back-to-back -back in the ranks for neutral pace on Football Outsiders, 20th and 21st, if I'm remembering correctly. And that game wound up actually featuring 153 plays. And now, of course, like the overtime like portion of it, like, okay, fine. But still, that is a like ridiculous number of like plays executing the game. And if I'm remembering correctly, uh, it's uh, at ClevTA on Twitter. I think he does some stuff for Rotor Grinders, if I'm remembering correctly. By the way, he had mentioned that uh, that's the most plays played in a game since 2002. Now, of course, again, wow. we got the overtime to account for as well, but still it's ridiculous to think about two two teams that, especially with Tennessee, featuring Derrick Henry so often that I was really surprised to see like between those two teams that they wound up having like, the most. I would have expected uh, literally any other two teams to wind up featuring that many plays like in a game. And such a wild finish, too, after what we thought was going to be a relatively easy day for Derrick Henry what he'd wind he doesn't wind up really getting going until what the back end of the first half like early second half where he winds up you know getting his touchdown of the day over 100 150 rushing yards if I'm not mistaken as well but it was the Jets defensive line seven sacks in that game as well so I figured that was going to be just a low scoring game almost similar to the Sunday night game that we saw last night between Tampa Bay and uh and New England but yeah, 51 total points like scored in that game, and it just wound up like having the most uh, most plays in the game I've ever seen. So just yeah, really exciting to see, and that was one of my 
biggest surprises. Uh, so that was from a good standpoint. From a negative standpoint, I mean, again, I live in Ohio and I love watching like the both Cincinnati and uh, Cleveland like being at least up at the top in terms of the AFC North standings. But Baker, I mean, my goodness, I, I know uh, what Jen was talking about, like how badly she was like mad at CeeDee Lamb. I'm sure there are a number of folks that had Odell Beckham like in their roster uh-huh. uh, on, on Sunday and probably aren't too happy with how things turned out. Uh, I mean, there was, I mean, Baker was throwing like so many passes, like what he did, he missed, he misfired on at least a couple of passes to Austin Hooper, like over the middle of the field. He connected maybe at least with one with Rashard Higgins, uh, but then he wound up missing on a couple to him as well. But then just those deep shots to OBJ that one would have been at the very least a 40 to 50 yard touchdown pass that he threw behind him. He also missed him on a what three to four, a four yard touchdown pass earlier in the game where OBJ ran like a slant route, which turned into like an uh, uh, spun around and then wound up doing a, like something like a wheel route towards the back end of the end zone. Missed that one too. Uh, depending Monday night football, Baker sits at the 30 or 31st in terms of completion percentage over expected for all quarterbacks this past week. I think it was like minus 18%, which is ridiculous. Uh, like I know that like the Vikings with the relationship with Kevin Stefanski, they might've like understood like how they could possibly, you know, like reverse engineer that offense. But man, I just did not really see Baker being like that bad in that game. So I was just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know really what to take from it. Like if that's, there's really, we can expect to see that more like moving forward. But at the same time, it's just, I, I can't, I can't really, uh, other than like starting Chubb and Hunt, that's really all we can take, uh, we can, all we can take moving forward, like from that particular game. And then the last one uh, is how great like the Cincinnati offense has looked or how they've been doing uh, with Joe Burrow now, like taking a larger command, like of that offense. So we watched it on Thursday night. It was, I mean, and I'm really glad I didn't have to, I wasn't on Twitter at all Thursday night. Cause I would just been upset or completely mad at the world because just going into the halftime, zero points down two scores. And then afterwards it was just, we saw him uh, running out of like empty set formations doing like uh, using more of that quick passing game and just being as aggressive as possible, like through the air. And we didn't see it in like, we didn't see him take any sacks. I mean, it was just like one of the first times in a while that we saw like that entire offense start to click. And it was just in those two quarters. I understand that, but seeing that uh, while the pressure was still getting to him, he was still able to manage the pocket hit, whether it was Tyler Boyd or Jamar chase or CJ Uzuma, I mean, down the field, uh, that's what it, that's what we wanted to see from Joe Burrow. Now I'm hoping that the passing rate continues to tick up week over week, but at the very least, like the concern for Cincinnati being that okay, well, you know they took Jamar Chase, they should have taken Rashawn Slater, Penae Sewell, like any of the like offensive linemen that was there. I just don't have that same concern because after seeing what over the past couple of weeks, or especially in that second half. Uh, on Thursday night, it's just like Burrow like has that command like of the offense that we started to see in his rookie season before he got knocked out with the knee injury. But I, I'm I'm at least maybe I'm being too optimistic as a Bengals fan, maybe. But I mean, it was good to see from the uh, from that perspective that he's not taking as many hits as he did like in the previous weeks. But I mean, Brandon, I mean, tell us more about I guess what we can do with a way to spice up our season since. I guess from at least for the Bengals, their season is already on the on the way up. 
Sure, sure. I do want to uh, hit a couple action items from your surprise things because I think they're interesting. Uh, yeah. One thing I want to just touch on real quick, uh, and this I don't know how many IDP players we have. We've got, but we've had Mike Wollert on before. Chris and I have on this show. Uh, Mike Wollert's a lot of fun. He's a great follow for IDP info. Uh, Tennessee. Nobody's allowing more sacks than Tennessee. We just talked about how many they gave up to the Jets. Uh, Chandler Jones had that huge game in week one against them. They've given up 17 sacks. They play the Jags next week. Adam Gotsis is going to play that D-line slot for you. Oh, that's right. Has yeah. two sacks. I'm just saying, if you need a defensive lineman, he's probably out there on waivers, probably going to get some play for you, and has a good chance of getting sacks against this team. Uh, Jen, are, are you? how worried are you about Ryan Tannehill? I mean, he's just getting killed. He is, and it's so, it's something that I don't think that a lot of us saw coming. I mean, during draft season, I was kind of excited about Ryan Tannehill. I was kind of excited about Tennessee as a whole. And, uh, yeah, I think we should be worried about him. I think that, uh, you know, you can't make plays when you're on your butt. <laughs> I like that. That's our actionable advice. You can't make yeah. plays when you're on your butt. That seems pretty that's simple. It. I like that. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's quick it. and easy. I, I dig yep. it. Trademark, put it on a T-shirt. It's roll, fantastic. <laughs> I guess, but I guess, uh, the one thing, I guess the one caveat that I would put it, I mean, I guess I kind of, I, no, not expect, I didn't expect seven sacks, but I guess I expected some downtick in production with losing, what, both A.J. Brown and right. Julio Jones in a game. Yeah. So yeah. I guess I get that, but yeah, but Ryan Tannehill hasn't really looked right as a passer this entire season so far, even with both of them on the, on the field. I didn't put this in my buy or sell, but, you know, in, in that absence, Jeremy Nichols with 12 targets, eight catches, 74 yards. I, uh, should have been Darrington Evans, the guy that I kept <laughs> drafting in best ball offseason. He's coming back, though, right? He's coming yeah, back he's supposed to be back practicing this week. That's at least the, the, I think it's what Vrabel said like earlier mm-hmm. today. Yeah, we pick it up, McNichols. Are we are we interested in PPR formats? I'm gonna be stubborn and say no because it's gonna be Darrington Evans. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, uh, listeners, let me tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players, win you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 4for4.com slash underdog, claim your free 4for4 Pro subscription, and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. So let's do this buy or sell segment. Uh, I want to talk about, we talked a little bit about the Jets and Titans. Uh, We teased it with Jeremy McNichols. What about Zach Wilson and these Jets players? Jen, are you interested in Zach Wilson uh, now that he's, you know, if nothing else, it looks like he may be a garbage time guy. Uh, But, you know, he looked competent against the Titans, threw a couple touchdowns late, kind of rallied that team. Uh, Corey Davis is solid there. How interested are you in any of those Jets weapons or are you still holding off? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super interested. I, you know, I actually drafted Zach Wilson in uh, in one of my home leagues and and have since dropped him. Um, listen, I, garbage time. Those points score the same as regular points when it comes to fantasy. So <laughs> I think it. You know, it depends on your situation. If you are in a super flex league and you're hurting, then yeah, sure. You know, feel free to grab Zach Wilson. I'm not interested though in in a one QB league. I don't think he enters. Uh, top 12 territory and, and maybe maybe for bye weeks if you're really in a bind but I think we need more than one good game out of Wilson to to really uh, think about actually rostering him 
I think that's reasonable. Uh, Chris, you know, let's talk about the weapons there with the Jets. Uh, all these guys may be available or at least uh, are guys that are sitting on your bench and you may need to be considering whether to put them on. Uh, Michael Carter, the rookie running back, 13 carries, only 38 yards, but scored a touchdown. Corey Davis uh, was back in the end zone, 111 yards and a touchdown. And, of course, we saw Jamison Crowder healthy. He racked up nine targets, seven catches, 61 yards and a touchdown. Any of these weapons worth putting in lineups or uh, going out and, and – and trying to get a hold of onto your rosters now that the Jets at least look like a competent NFL team, even if they <laughs> don't look like a good one. <laughs> Maybe. I think that's it's difficult, right? Because with them being kind of pushed into this pass-heavy game script against Tennessee, and of course, like with the number of plays that were run, like we just talked about earlier, it's difficult for me to want to like force them into it. Corey Davis would be the only one that I would really feel these good about like putting him in on my roster just because we know that target share is going to be there it's been there the entire year uh the deep the deep connection between him and zach wilson is definitely there uh, other than that i mean we haven't really seen any sort of separation between uh in the uh, in the backfield between michael carter ty johnson even tevin coleman tevin coleman was still getting run here in week four so mm -hmm. it's just i haven't seen any separation there so i can't feel confident about starting any one of those guys uh but then other than the from a passing perspective, sure, Jamison Crowder, since he just came back from uh, from the injury that kept him out the first like, couple of weeks, it was great to see him quickly get involved. But with Elijah Moore, who also missed that game because of the concussion, we don't know what that uh, what that target tree is going to look like once he comes back. So it's just the only player from the Jets that I feel comfortable starting is Corey Davis, because not even Zach Wilson, really, because one, he's thrown an interception in every game so far. Through four weeks, he sits at the back end of uh, all quarterbacks, all starting quarterbacks in the league in terms of completion percentage over expected. I mean, there was a step forward because he only threw one interception and two touchdowns like this week. But so I need to see repeated performances like we saw in week four at the very least in order for me to feel comfortable about his floor. I mean, if that's... Uh, I mean, if that's going to be his floor, okay, fine, I can buy into that. Maybe as a quarterback two in, like, super flex leagues. But if I'm talking about him as even a quarterback one, I need to see ceiling games. I need to see rushing upside or something like that, or even rushing attempts inside the red zone to consider him in that conversation for a quarterback one. But until then, no, it's really just Corey Davis for me, and that's about it. So uh, let's go to another quarterback. You mentioned Zach Wilson. And Chris, you're my, my favorite quarterback streaming guy. Uh, let's talk about Sam Darnold a little bit. If he's still out there on waivers because he's been uh, pretty good so far this season. Ran in another two touchdowns. The guy has five rushing touchdowns this year. <laughs> is Sam Darnold the new Konami Code quarterback, Chris? I, I can't. So this is like me doing that meme of Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Like he can't keep getting away <laughs> with this. Like it's just it's not it's not possible for him to continue like or sustain this sort of uh, this sort of production at least on the ground. I can understand him being able to be at least a, a moderately good quarterback, like from a passing perspective, because at least he has the weapons around him in order to do that. I mean, DJ Moore has just established himself as an absolute alpha yeah. from a wide receiver perspective. And I love to see that. I'm hoping, I don't know what's going on with Robbie Anderson. Uh, I don't know. We'll let them figure that out. Uh, but even like incorporating some of the other pass catchers there on the offense, at least it's there's enough there for us to feel comfortable about him from an aerial perspective. But I, I just can't see. I mean, he he has the most rushing touchdowns in the league through four weeks. I mean, that I, there's no way in a league with Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Kyler Murray that we now have to consider Sam Darnold 
as the new Russian quarterback. I mean, of course, I'll take the production, all right, since I write him, I've now written him up, what, three weeks straight uh, from a, uh, in the streaming column? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I'll take I'll take the results, absolutely. I mean, the, it's great to see the process actually match the results, but I can't expect him to continue to rush a touchdown in on a weekly basis. I mean, it, it might wind up coming to fruition again this week. Who do they play this week? Uh, let me look that up, like, real quick. I thought they had, like, another decent matchup to the point where Jen heads up. You'll probably be seeing his name. Oh yeah, they played. Uh, they play Atlanta, <laughs> or no? They don't play Atlanta. Uh, Carolina winds up. They play. Oh yeah, we they are... play Philadelphia. That's okay, right. They, excellent. Yeah, so it's just like yeah. So he's in another good spot this week. So yeah, I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but a Konami code upside on a weekly basis. I can't buy into it. <laughs> I think that's very fair, uh, Jen. I I want to ask you about uh, another guy. I want to stay in the NFC South. I want to talk about uh, Cordero Patterson, three touchdowns, but it's it doesn't seem too fluky because he's been getting touches, getting carries, getting targets in this offense. There's not a whole lot of weapons. Are we buying Cordero Patterson? Like, how real is this as him being like a legit fantasy option? I am so here for this whole thing. I mean, <laughs> first of all, you have to love, right, a 30-year-old in his mm-hmm. fifth NFL team having a breakout season. I mean, that is fantastic, right? I mean, as a football fan, you got to love that. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting when I was actually looking up Corderell earlier today for something else is that he has more fantasy points per game than Matt Ryan. I mean, that's not even like a normal thing, right? I mean, the quarterback that's a stat right, right there. Right? I love that. So, he, ha- yeah, he has 24.8 per game to Matt Ryan's 22.8. They're close, but he still he has more fantasy points a game than his quarterback. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it – listen, he's the only guy doing anything in that offense at the moment. So, they need to continue to ride the hot hand regardless of where it came from or who it is. I don't know if it's – you know, something about Arthur Smith, whatever, but he somehow ignited this whole Cordero Patterson thing. I think it's great. I'm excited about it. I'm also excited because I grabbed him, you know, ahead of week two in in most of my leagues. So um, I'm thrilled because I've had, you know, as like everybody else, I've had tons of injuries. So (laughs) loving the fact that I can just plug him right on in there and get some points. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's great for the game. Yeah. I, I love, I remember talking about him as like, a must target like breakout wide receiver in like year two or three when, <laughs> when the Vikings hired Dorf Turner. I remember, I remember talking about that, like going all in on Cordero Patterson. Yep. And I, I'm just going to say I was right. I was right, Jen. That's yep. <laughs> victory clearly, lap it up. Yeah, I'm going to victory lap this up. I mean, I don't care that it's 13 years too late or however many years it is. It's <laughs> Five happening. Teams later. It's That's happening. right. It's happening. And I'm right. That's what I'm going with. Um, Chris, I want to go. Uh, I want to talk about the Giants offense a little bit because they had a, a really nice game this past weekend. Uh, it's kind of stunned the, the Saints, uh, beat the Saints. Daniel Jones had a heck of a game. Return of Saquon Barkley. Kenny Galladay had uh, his first 100-yard game as a uh, Giant. Uh, those receivers are still banged up with Sterling Shepard and uh, Darius Slayton nicked up. Uh, but we saw this offense kind of hum against the Saints. Should we be looking at Daniel Jones? Should we be looking at Kenny Galladay now, who I'm seeing on waivers? Uh, just curious your take on the Giants' offense. Well, I think they're like they're useful. They could be viable for this upcoming week because if I'm remembering correctly, yeah, in week five they play against Dallas. 
So I mm-hmm. think given that game environment, at least that should produce at least the, the right scenario for them to continue to pop like they did in week four. But uh, for Daniel Jones in week four specifically, uh, one I know that we've had like we've like the fantasy community has had plenty of fun like dragging like Daniel Jones like as a let's say mediocre to below like league replacement level quarterback for like the past like couple of seasons. I mean he completely bottomed out last year. I think his like touchdown rate was like three point five percent or something like that if I'm remembering correctly. But the one thing that he was he's always been capable of doing is he's been uh, he's been one uh, accurate and efficient on deep balls like while they haven't been a huge part of his game because he hasn't really had the people to throw it to like that is one of his that he's been like top 10 in epa per play on deep balls for the last like couple of seasons and that's really what kind of punt like like pulled him into having what 402 yards if i'm remembering correctly against the saints just this past weekend because yep. he had the deep shot to john ross which went for a touchdown he had what uh kenny galladay wound up having i think he had 116 total yards, but I think 52 or 58 of them came on one play. No, uh, so, uh, no Saquon had a had a big 54-yard catch and run. Oh, okay. But uh, not a touchdown, though. But I thought, like, Kenny Galladay had, like, a deep touchdown. Or not deep touchdown, but deep pass that actually wound up setting them up for a field goal towards the back end of the first half. Yeah, that, that was a 28-yarder. 28. Oh, 28-yarder. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you. That was but, like, his game But, ball. yeah. But it's like deep balls have been like part of like Daniel Jones, like uh, his repertoire, and we saw that come into play. Now, hopefully we'll see if, like, Darius Slayton – uh, and Sterling Shepard like can get back into the mix, but against like against Dallas with uh, was it uh, Diggs becoming a like a larger part of their defense, they need to have other options in the passing game. I'm not expecting John Ross to now assert himself as a wide receiver too, but at the very least, if Saquon now he looked like the old Saquon uh, just on on Sunday, if that continues to be the case, then yes, I think the Giants pass catchers, or at least all of the Giants assets, like should be worthwhile, like in in fantasy for Week Five specifically. But moving forward, who's to say? I love Barkley. I hope he's back because 52 yards on the ground, 74 in the air, and a touchdown with five receptions, like or, or two touchdowns with five receptions. That's a very like classic Saquon stat line, and it makes yeah. me very happy. Uh, yeah. Jen, I got to ask you about the rookie Kadarius Tony stepped in for those injured receivers. Six catches on nine targets, 78 yards. Good to see him lead the team in targets, something I don't think anyone was really expecting to see from Tony, at least not this fast. Uh, interested at all in Tony, even as a stash option. I know, of course, it's uh, dependent on the health of those other guys. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it right there. I don't know that he – I mean, I get, listen, in, in a deeper league, he's probably worth a stash just in case any of those injuries do linger. But I feel like, you know, once we have Slayton and Shepard back, and I don't know what's going to happen with Ingram, to be honest. I don't even – he's actually on my drop list uh, for tomorrow's article. But um, I think Tony is one of those that we – for me, it's keep an eye on a little bit. I wouldn't run out and grab him. But if you have, you know, a deep bench or, or a larger league where there isn't a lot of options on the waiver wire, I think he's fine. But I think we need to wait a little bit and kind of see how those injuries play out. Excellent, excellent. Now, I'll stick with you, Jen. I want to talk about the Rams pass catchers. You and I both loved Robert Woods. Kind of seems like he's third. Kind of seems like he's third amongst those receivers with the Rams. Uh, Van Jefferson coming off a pretty nice day. He's had some big plays this year. Uh, Are you buying Van Jefferson? Is he, like, legitimately the wide receiver, too, with the Rams? Is he someone that we need to get in our lineups and get get on our rosters? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's frustrating because, I, as you said, I have a lot of – investments in Robert Woods on a oh, lot me of too. teams and uh, <laughs> looking at their target share I mean they both they're they're even pretty much I mean Woods has more on the season 
But uh, the last two weeks, they have both uh, they both have six targets. So uh, he's definitely, I would say, close to as much a part of the offense as Robert Woods. Luckily for people that have Robert Woods, he you know he had one super late touchdown and he fell into the end zone. Thank God. But um, yeah, I mean, I think we have to buy Van Jefferson as part of this offense because it is a high scoring offense and this offense is going to continue to put up points all season. So if you want a part of it, Van Jefferson is there and. Um, as we know, and as Brandon so eloquently uh, put in his look ahead from last week, it is not Deshaun Jackson. He's not the guy to own. So if you want to get out there and grab a piece of that offense, uh, I, Van Jefferson, I would assume, I don't know what his roster ship is right now, but I would assume he's probably on most waiver wires. Mm-hmm. Good to see Daryl Henderson healthy, by the way. I was kind of yeah. expecting him not to be. Good to see him come out and get 89 yards and 14 carries. Uh, my last buy or sell, I'm, I'm going to go, Chris, uh, Tyson Williams inactive for the Baltimore Ravens going in. Latavius Murray, you know, didn't put up huge numbers, but he got that touchdown. And the the big key thing for him was coming out there and getting 18 carries, 59 yards, 18 carries. Le'Veon Bell had four. Devontae Freeman had one. Uh, are we buying Latavius Murray as the lead back in Baltimore? And what's his value moving forward? I don't know about the lead back, but at the very least, I mean, when they made him in, uh, when he made Williams inactive, uh, I mean, it kind of signaled to us that at the very least they want to try and look at what else they have. I mean, Latavius Murray is, the, for right now, for all intents and purposes, the main back, but we can't assume he's going to be a running back one on the week, right? It's He's more of like running back two. If you you know if you need like a flex option or something like that, that's where I'd put Latavius Murray. Just can, you know, given his age, also the fact that he's more like in most weeks he's going to be competing with Lamar Jackson for those like high value touches. But even in this game, I think Lamar only had like seven attempts, if I'm remembering correctly. So it's just I see Latavius Murray like as a running back too. We'll see like what they wind up trying to do with that with that backfield because I know the coach the coach speak was that they wanted to see what Le'Veon Bell has to offer. And that's why they brought him up and they wound up having Tyson Williams like sit on Sunday. I don't particularly buy it, but it's not like Le'Veon Bell ran away with the job figuratively or literally. I mean, just four carries for 11 <laughs> yards. I mean, so it's yeah. just like there's there's nothing there. So I would rather I think Latavius Murray is the one to roster at this point. I'd feel more comfortable starting him than anybody else. So it's just, yeah, I think for all intents and purposes, like he would be the guy that I would slot into the, my RB2 spot on my roster. Excellent. And Jen, uh, I want to stick with Baltimore. Just real quick, Rashad Bateman, their rookie first-round pick, uh, just went off IR last week. He wasn't active uh, in week four, but he should be active pretty soon. At least that's uh, the indications. Uh, Is he worth the stash right now? I've seen him available in most of the leagues. Uh, Most of my redraft leagues, he was available at least late last week. Is he worth stashing? Yeah, I think so. I mean, he was in my stash article last week. Now, that mm-hmm. was after a bunch of, you know, Marquise Brown drops, which he came back and had an <laughs> insane catch this week. So, uh, but I still think Bateman is, is absolutely uh, stashable if, if he's there. Uh, he He's, you know, a rookie with, with a lot of talent and unfortunately got hurt early. Uh, but I think, you know, he's going to be healthy and fresh as far as his, you know, legs and whatnot go. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, in that offense, you know, we're not really sure what to, what to make of it, but. I'm considering that Brown is kind of up and down and that's really all they have besides Andrews. So uh, yeah, I I would stash him if you have the room. I love it. I love it. I, uh, I was big on Bateman going into the draft. I think I called him a faster Terrell Owens. So I hope he's healthy and I hope he's, Oh, I was very bullish on Rashad Bateman. So (laughs) hopefully he does it. 
Folks, this podcast is also brought to you by Super Draft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesars Rewards. The most accurate podcast listeners get an instant $20 deposit match with their first deposit by using the promo code 4FOR4 at registration. Get in now to play Super 15, a game everybody has seen in memes, but nobody can play until now. You'll recognize it as soon as you see it. And for the first time, you'll be able to win money by playing it. Additionally, new Superdraft users get a free 4 for 4 t-shirt and are entered to win $444 cash every week for the month of October. Download the Superdraft app and insert that 4 for 4 promo code today for your instant $20 deposit match and try it out for yourself. All right, our looking ahead segment, leaving our listeners with something to keep in mind going into week five. Uh, Mine this week, Leonard Fournette is coming off 20 carries, leads the Tampa running back room with 58% of the offensive snaps, faces a terrible Dolphins run defense. Trust me, I'm a Dolphins fan, I know, uh, in a game that Tampa should easily lead the entire game. Uh, Leonard Fournette. I think if he gets anywhere close to 20 carries again, he's going to put up RB1 numbers. Uh, Art Rojo might be in play as well. I think both of them are going to get the ball. I think Tampa's going to win running away. So that's my uh, thing to look at next week. Jen? Um, I, my, my looking ahead is uh, <clears throat> Tua, sticking with the Dolphins, I guess, theme-ish. Uh, <laughs> Tua's coming back in week six, and uh, he is only on 16% of Yahoo rosters at the moment. And so I think he's someone, you know, looking at his his schedule coming up here, you know, he's got Jacksonville, Atlanta, and then Buffalo and Houston. And really only one, Buffalo is the only real team there that we need to worry about. The rest of them, super soft against quarterbacks. So if you're in a situation where you need, a, you know, a second quarterback for Superflex, or maybe you have Baker, as we talked about earlier in this podcast, and need, you know, need, need to replace with someone, Tua is coming back and he is kind of, just, you know, sitting there. So for, for the, for the taken. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. Chris, what's uh, your looking ahead item? So I'm still looking at Sam Darnold again from a streaming quarterback perspective and going up against Philly this week. Uh, we just watched Philly get absolutely cooked by Tyreek Hill. So if you're looking for, uh, let's, let's think about the, the receiver archetypes that have beat Philadelphia. When it, when they played against Dallas, it was uh, Amari Cooper, nuanced route runner. So that, uh, that immediately points you towards DJ Moore. They've been beat by speed. So if we want to think that Sam Darnold is going to reconnect with Robbie Anderson, that at least should lead you to thinking that Robbie Anderson could be a part of that game. So it's just wherever the Eagles have been beat, the Panthers have the ability to uh, to find that they have the personnel in order to beat that uh, to beat the coverage for the Eagles. So, I'm looking at Sam Darnold again this week. I hope he doesn't wind up having another rushing touchdown because I want to see more work for Chuba. But <laughs> either way, uh, I think Sam Darnold is the top streaming option for Week Five. Excellent, excellent. Chris, Jen, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.